spelled L O U R B E, I think. Either that or there's no R. Oh, there's yeah. I did not L-O-U-R-B-E. like Cats of Blue. <laughs> you didn't? Why? Did not. Have you read it yet? Not yet. It was <laughs> surreal for the point of being surreal. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> that one very specific thing is your favorite. Yep. Welcome back to Monging Your Ears. My name is Corey. Helen and April are with me. Hi, everybody. And we are here to talk about manga. First up is With the Light, and then later in the show we'll be talking about League Back Camp. Uh, seems to be, like, always a very large dichotomy between what we talk about, but that's okay. <laughs> what can we say? We have um, varied tastes. <laughs> uh, yep. So With the Light is a... Um, 15 volume manga in Japan. We got uh, eight volumes. Seven of them are double double volumes, um, and one of them is uh, like a regular regular size volume. Um, by Ke- Keiko Tobe. Uh, it got unfortunately ended uh, because she pa- or she the mangaka passed away. I think it's a she. Okay. Keiko is a female name usually. Uh, they tragically passed away. Uh, but the manga itself is about. Uh, this well, kind of about two two people mostly about the the mother named Sachiko, who is uh, the mother of a uh, autistic boy named Hikaru, um, and she just uh, completely struggles at first with uh, accepting that Hikaru has a disability at all, and then uh, trying to manage uh, raising him and uh, everything else related to. Um, child care, which is just complicated by uh, him having autism, and the dad is not initially very helpful um, because he is just so focused on his work. Um, but uh, it, uh, it it gave me a lot of feels personally. My mom works with autistic kids uh, as part of her job, and uh, one of them that she worked with for like over a decade, I think uh, we got to know pretty well. So, and my cousin is also has a disability, so like some of the things that the kids say, which are very mean and wrong and bad, uh, hit me closer to home. Uh, I remember the first time I read the first volume, I was like sobbing in the middle of it, uh, and I had to put it down several times because I just couldn't continue reading. Um, it was better this time, or at least I did not, uh, I did not like emotionally die in the middle of it. So, uh, what did you two think? Uh, I read the first two volumes, which is just all that I had a couple years ago, more than a couple, if I'm being honest. And I liked it because my younger brother actually is autistic. Um, my younger biological brother, that is, since I have several step-siblings. And um, it's a big family. I have so many presents to buy at Christmas, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, my brother, he's on what you'd call high-functioning, like has a job, graduated college, yada, yada, yada. But I still have a very different relationship with him than I do with like my other siblings, and the relationship the two of us have is even very different than I see between some of my step siblings who are like biological siblings. They've grown up with each other, 
And so it's often kind of frustrating with him. And I'm like, yeah, it, it definitely feels me. But one thing I think that doesn't always get said about disability is that it's a real strain on the people around you as well. It's just an emotional drain. And so I think that I like having stories both by and about disabled folks and also just about, you know, the caretakers in their lives, the people who are working around it. And that might also be easier for other folks to emphasize with. Yeah, so I read one volume, and I definitely agree with you, Helen, that I liked seeing the caretaker part of it. I thought it was interesting. I think all of us sort of have a personal attachment to this one. But for me, as a disabled person myself, it was sort of interesting to see both sides because I'm not a parent, but it made me sort of wonder what my parents went through with me and the school system, et cetera, et cetera, wondering what I would grow up to be, what I would be able to do. Um, but I can also relate to some of the caretaker feelings in terms of learning how to take care of myself as I got older, where you have that period where you have issues with acceptance, um, you get frustrated. Um, so I definitely, as much as I like learning about Hikaru and all of that in the story being focused on him, I think his mother is more interesting to me and watching how she has grown through everything. I was definitely a little surprised by the dad. I thought maybe the dad would just kind of disappear from the story, and he um, he doesn't. So I was surprised by that because I'm like, oh, he's never going to come back. So <laughs> Yeah, thankfully the gag situation improved uh, at one point. Um he like collapses just from overwork, and at, at that point, he was just like, what am I doing? Um, I have a family. I would like to spend time with them, as well as like be fulfilled by work. He steps mm. back a little uh, and becomes uh, a much better dad. And um, spoilers, I, I have read, or I am like halfway through Volume 7 now. Um, <laughs> spoilers, they do have another child. Uh, it is a, uh, a girl named Cannon. I mean, she, I think they have her in the first or second volume. Okay. Yeah, they have I her don't in remember. the first. I'm thinking, oh no, a spoiler, but I knew about that one. So. <laughs> I don't remember when it happened. It has been so long now. She is five, uh, five or six <laughs> when I'm reading. Um, but yeah, they, they have the second child. And uh, as the series goes on, it is much less about learning about Hikaru and uh, how to work with him than it is about, like, it gets more and more into that caretaker aspect. And, and now it's getting into, like, how uh, Canon's friends perceive Ikaru and how she's dealing with that. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely would like to read those parts then, since uh, my situation is reversed here, since I was the first kid, and so my mom was able to kind of see if my brother, oh, he's not doing the same things at the same rate Helen was, I wonder what's up. Honestly, I'm kind of jealous that they managed to diagnose him at such, such a young age in this manga, because it took my brother until, like, 15 for an Asperger's diagnosis and then maybe like 17, 18 for an actual autism diagnosis. Mm. Like, so really jealous of the folks in this fictional story. But I remember like, we went to the same school and people knew we were related because you know, that's what you do when you look at people with the same last name. <laughs> I remember like one time, we were both in the same classroom for some reason, some folks came over to my desk and were like, Helen, your brother's cutting his fingernails into like the shapes of arrowheads on your desk. And I'm like, oh no, I'm eighth grade. I'm in eighth grade. I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> I don't know how to tell my brother to just stop doing things which are just so natural for me not to do. So. Uh, yeah, and that's a lot of what goes on in this manga as well. Um, just because he... He was told not to do something or to do something, and then uh, Hikaru, that is, is told those things. And then he just uh, repeats them, because that is what is easiest for him. He was diagnosed with, uh, I believe, a, a much more severe form of autism 
then um, then at least I've interacted with, and it seems like that you've also that you've also interacted with Helen. Um, so he he doesn't really or he isn't really able to talk that much besides to uh, say what he wants. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was first reading it, it, this was around the time the Bunny Drop anime was coming out, and I remember thinking that they had a little bit of a similar vibe in some ways. You know, a parent having to take care of you know unexpected issues in some ways like in bunny drop we have you know the working guy who's suddenly taking care of this much younger relative and so he's having to learn all these things about fatherhood like daycares and things like that and here we have a family that was you know actively preparing for and expecting their first child and then they're playing on hard mode i guess (laughs) (laughs) parenting on hard mode now you, you have to learn all the things about parenting and then navigate a system which is just not awesomely set up to deal with folks who aren't disabled or aren't neurotypical. Yeah, I'm, I maybe would even call it, like, having never played a video game and then playing Dark Souls on the hardest difficulty. Which, like, you may not know much about video games, but Dark Souls is, like, infamously difficult. Mm-hmm. We are not saying, however, that Whip Flight is the Dark Souls of Pandora. <laughs> I, I don't think I would say that. No. That would be a funny comparison to make, but that is not what we're actually saying here. It's also not the bunny drop of the manga. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this manga never got much buzz, even when it was coming out, since Yen put it out, eh, probably about a decade ago now. And I feel like I just never heard that many people talking about it, and I wonder if it was just, you know, one of those titles where it's like, it's fiction, but it's so close to reality that you kind of are like, I'd rather read an actual nonfiction work instead of fiction? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes I get that way about, like, historical films. It's like, I'd rather just watch a documentary on this (laughs) instead of, like, a fictionalized account. Right. Mm -hmm. And for something like this, which deals so intimately with a very specific part of human nature and human lives, I'm always, like, a little on edge when reading it, thinking, you know, is this right, you know, or is this supposed to be an incorrect perception deliberately done or accidentally? And especially since research and understanding, you know, what causes autism? How can we, you know, better communicate people with autism has just advanced so much in like the past 20 years because my brother was actually a part of some studies which ended up being um, like helping to define autism in young children. It was just like total randomness. He was just selected to be part of a study when he was at the hospital, you know, being born. And then later they were like, oh, hmm, this is interesting. This is not a result we expected, but it seems to indicate some things. Yada, yada, yada. So it's just... You know what I mean? I'm just rambling now. Sorry. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Uh-huh. And this it looks like this was published in 2010, so it's a decade old now. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting to me that, like, when Hikaru goes to school, like, he has trouble, but eventually the kids around him kind of adjust. I don't, at least in the first volume, I don't see as much of, like, trying to get him to fit as much as, like, everybody around him kind of adjusts. And I was a little surprised by that like it it was more like here's what he's able to do and not do and then they made the little booklet so that everybody knew okay this is how to interact with him and all that I think I was a little surprised by that I think I expected more like they would have to teach him how to do things correctly which there is some of that but then there's also just a lot of people just okay this is just how he is and so they kind of adjust to him and uh, I appreciated that and that was pretty much my experience when I was younger as a kid with a disability where people just kind of adjusted to me, helped me as I needed help and all of that. So that was an interesting perspective that I didn't expect to see uh, in this manga. Yeah, that part did seem like a little too idyllic since, yeah, yeah, I'm, used to, yeah. I'm, I'm used to them 
telling the kid you must change instead of mm-hmm. saying society must change. And it also just reminded me of how there is, you know, a small debate in the U.S., you know, for kids, you know, with special needs. Is it better to put them into special education where they would have more focus and attention from specific instructors? Or would it be better to integrate them, for lack of a better verb, into classrooms with non-disabled, you know, neurotypical kids just so that they're not isolated, you know, but maybe they don't get as much attention? And I think that was the choice they were having to make at some point in the series, or it was something that was yep. coming up when they were looking at preschools. Yeah, they had a lot of trouble finding the correct preschool, and then they, it repeated for elementary school and junior high, which is where I am now. Um, and it's, it's the same thing, even when the uh, the special education teacher in elementary school changes, there's just a, also a change in philosophy, where uh, it's just like, well, you should just... Uh, Put up with these loud noises. Can't you just sit mm. there still and do nothing like a normal child? And they, some of them don't understand, and some of them learn as they go along. And uh, that's just how all people are. I bought my brother a pair of nice earplugs for Christmas just because of the loud noises one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think they actually fit him, which would uh-huh. be sad. Yeah, with the light is good for building some empathy in you, I think, or at least yeah. making you a little more introspective since, I mean, it's a big world. We all know. I think multiple folks with these kinds of disabilities, right? Like, Corey, you were saying, you know, them through your mom's job. Yep. I've got, like, second cousin or first cousin, twice removed, I don't know which, who also has um, a de- developmental disability. Don't know what it is off the top of my head. But, yeah, um, I, I, I feel like works like this are good for people to read. It's just a sort of like an introduction to, you should be thinking about these people you share the world with. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, with the light is great. Um, there's like some really weird translation things um, with it. Sometimes Canon says uh, Onichan sometimes, but then she also says brother sometimes. Um, and there is a couple things that makes it make it sound a little gay. They say the R word a couple times. Sometimes as an insult, sometimes as just a descriptor. Um, so that's kind of problematic. But it, it was 2010, so I guess we weren't woke yet. Yeah, I'm also looking at the translation, and the translator name isn't one I recognize because. I recognize a lot of the N-Press translator names by this point since we put them <laughs> down in every review of the OASG. <laughs> yep, we do in Fang and Post too. And that's why I had to hunt around in my Twitter mentions to refine the translator for Rosa Versailles since Udon did not put that on the copyright page for some reason. Like, oh, wow. Anyway, anyone else have anything else before we move on to Lake Night Camp? No, I think Helen wrapped us up pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a short break and we will be back to talk about Lake Night Camp and camping. <laughs> Welcome back, y'all. And now we are going to be talking about the very comfy, cozy camping series, Laidback Camp, or Yuru Camp, which is, it's called Yuru Kan in Japanese, with like a little triangle at the end, I guess, for like a camping tent. So like one of the nicknames for the series in the English fandom is Yuru Camp. Uh, this is uh, published in the U.S. by Yen Press again. It is both drawn and written by someone whose pen name is simply Afro. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it at the end. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Uh, this story, um, it doesn't have a 
main main character per se. I would say our most central character is probably Nadeshko, who has just recently moved to a new area, and she's really excited by all the nature nearby, and she ends up joining this club at her new school. It's the um, Outdoor Activities Circle, Outdoors Activities Club, I guess, depending on localization. Wikipedia, don't fail me now. Um, and they're a group that just likes camping outside, and Nadeshko thinks this is really cool because... On her first night in the new place, she made some bad life choices and ended up in the dark <laughs> with only her bike, you know, by herself and ran into another girl her same age named Rin, who likes to go camping by herself, especially in the winter when you don't have to deal with bugs or really crowded campsites. And so Nadeshko has seen the beauty of outdoor camping. And now she is doing things like trying to get a part-time job so she can get money to buy things because camping gear is really expensive, as anyone who has ever spent too much time in REI can tell you. That person is me. (laughs) (laughs) And so she and all of her new friends just have a lot of fun. It's a very gag-heavy manga. It's not actually a four coma, but sometimes it feels like it. Just very gag-heavy, lots of silly situational stuff. And I remember when the anime came out, which came out before the manga was licensed here, uh, it was like a surprise hit for me that season. Yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. And it was also kind of funny since it was the same season, A Place Farther Than the Universe came out. So it was like, wow, what is with all these girls camping in the winter series all of a sudden? <laughs> so, Corey, I know you said you tried the anime, but you didn't like it. And I think, well, I know you've been reviewing it for the fandom posts because I just saw them like post the reviews for like five, six, and seven really recently. Yep. <laughs> and I assume those were yours. Yep. Oh, so, um... Did you like the manga better initially, even though you didn't like the anime that much? Uh, yeah. I uh, I am far enough separated from watching the anime that I don't remember why I didn't like it, but uh, it just didn't capture me at first, but reading the manga, uh, and basically I gave it a second chance because, like, you, Pat, and Dana all really liked it, and I was like, well, maybe I'm missing something. I'll read the manga, and then I did, and uh, it was super cute. Um, it is the exact kind of anime that I want, or manga that I want, when I'm just, like, uh, trying to wind down from life. It makes it really hard to review, though. Yeah, it's a little bit of a struggle sometimes, especially those comedy series, because you don't want to give away all of the gags. <laughs> right. But you want to kind of allude to them, which is my eternal problem with reviewing Nozaki-kun. But um, April, so you read the first volume. Do you want to read more now, or are you you laid back out enough? I, f- I think I would actually rather watch the anime for this one. I... I- you called it a, a healing series, and I can definitely see how it would be animated. So I feel like I was missing something with the manga, although I'm sure the manga was out first in Japan, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was cute, and I always like like stories where it's it's clear that the author like did some research about a particular hobby or thing that they're interested in, and then made it a part of the story because there are like camping, I don't know, camping tidbits trivia in it that I didn't like about tents and all. I didn't know about all of that so I like that part of it but I didn't feel super compelled to read any more of the manga but I felt compelled to watch the anime so I guess it still kind of worked <laughs> and the anime is very cute I really love a lot of the color schemes they use in there I find like all the characters outfits really cute like I know that would the clothing they wear would probably not actually keep me warm in the winter because like nobody wears pants in this for some reason <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the anime is really cute, so I'd give that a shot then, if you're interested. It also has like nice music, nice background music. I remember at Otakon, I think last year, they had 
a panel which included some of the staff and one of the voice actresses from the anime and someone one of the audience questions was what kind of music is this in the anime and they're like it's irish music and i listened to it later and i'm like man how did someone like not realize this you've got like you, you got everything and yeah <laughs> how many volumes are out now i thought i had a, a good amount yeah, there's nine in Japan and seven out in the U.S. Oh, well, remember the oh, last okay. review that was posted is uh, how many there are in us. The last review has not posted yet, and then I just lied. Yeah, I, I saw a review. <laughs> I thought number seven went up recently. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought I'd read volume five, and I tried reading volume six, and I was like, I'm confused. And then I realized <laughs> I did not actually have volume five, so I I renewed my DC um, library card so I can check it out from there, because my actual county does not have it. <laughs> mm. But yeah, Laid Back Camp is... I don't know. It's, it's a simple plot. It's a simple story. I, before I had this misadventure, I would have sworn you could probably read to that order and be fine, but I guess not. <laughs> but um, all five of the main girls are pretty fun. Their teacher is a little bit of a tired cliche. You know, she's somebody who drinks too much, but she's mostly good natured. There's a cute doggy that sometimes comes with them while camping. And I guess it's also like the level of adventure they have feels realistic. Like I could see you letting like a very mature high schooler go and camp out overnight for friends if you like knew where they were going to be mm. i'm like oh god these days the teens even have cell phones you could even like reach them at the campsite this isn't like when i went camping in the girl scouts and just, no there was, there was no contact <laughs> so yeah it, it felt realistic in a very cozy sort of way yeah. although i do sort of wonder how the story's going to continue on since if they're camping in the winter like it can't be winter forever just like how, how much are we going <laughs> to stretch this out <laughs> Volume seven mentions that like he's looking, he she Afro is looking forward toward to uh, drawing when spring and summer camping. So oh I my guess god, even after seven volumes, they still have not hit spring yet. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna keep going. <laughs> I guess I guess the story starts in the fall because I remember looking at the temperatures in the anime and being like, what kind of winter is this? This is way too warm to be winter. <laughs> You're not even having to worry about it getting below freezing every day. What is this? I think they live in and, a warmer part of Japan. I think it is a southern part of Japan. Yeah. Oh, and one last thing about the anime is that the first season is out. You can buy it on Crunchyroll. There's actually a series of shorts that are airing right now. They're all like three and a half minutes long. So that's fun. There's a live action TV series in Japan right now, which is not streaming anywhere. And they have plans for like a movie and a second series, um, second season of the TV series. And I know that when I was skimming volume six or seven i forget which they were mentioning oh yeah winter camping has become popular recently it's even being mentioned in like tv and stuff and i'm thinking is this a self-referential joke (laughs) i kind of feel like y'all are the ones who popularize this so yeah if you want to cozy up with something this winter and be very glad that you're inside and not actually camping outside uh read laid back camp or maybe just read it and be inspired to you know go to your local rei have a heart attack at, you know, the cost of, like, a nice sleeping bag, all that jazz, and do it yourself. <laughs> yep. I did like the gag the girls had. Oh, I think it was in the first volume where they're trying to, like, make their summer sleeping bags winterize by, like, wrapping the person up in, like, <laughs> oh, that's my favorite one, yeah. And then, <laughs> like, was my favorite them into a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. That also totally feels like the kind of thing a bunch of teens would it, do. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought. I was like, this feels like teenagers. <laughs> shenanigans any other final thoughts from you guys it's cute yeah it's definitely the kind of manga that uh you can really tell the mangaka likes and cares about this subject so much uh and the the characterization is just enough that it keeps you going 
Yeah, it's the kind uh, like, like Flying Witch, it's the kind of thing that I really like just read and chill out. I think part of the characterization is that all of the characters are not the sharpest stick in the box. So I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who is supposed to be the sharpest in this one, but they're all just a little dumb, too. I think Rin's a little than everyone else. I think so, but I think she's also just secretly hiding her dumb side. <laughs> um, where can we find everybody on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at MangioRin. I'm still alive. I say it every episode. Uh, you can find me there. People still follow me there. I'm still there. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dreamer. You can find me doing my other podcast and a whole bunch of manga and light novel reviews over at the organization of Antisocial Geniuses. On Twitter, the handle is at the OASG. Okay. I've been really trying to get through my backlog recently, um, so I've been putting up a lot of reviews. And since I know Corey posts these episodes quickly, if anyone is going to KatsuCon in the upcoming weekend, I'm actually going to have a panel there on Friday. It's Friday at noon. Don't know if that counts this morning. Friday um, at noon called Notable Noitamina, where I talk about just the Noitamina time slot and a whole bunch of shows that have aired on there, like how Honey and Clover started it out and how that has kind of a different tone from Eden of the East and how Eden of the East kind of influenced it going forwards. Why you should not watch past season one of Psychopaths, possibly. Uh. How, how, how confused I am that Uchitama is the Noitamina show of the season. Um, that one time they did a live action Moyashimon season. So just, it'll be a good time while we're all waiting for the dealer's room line to calm down. Hmm. Not that it ever really calms down the Katsukan, they, they, they kind of have a line problem. Onion Clover is my favorite anime of all time, so I hope you you uh, represent it well. <laughs> I mean, it was the one that started off the time slot, so we got to talk about it. <laughs> I mentioned the new DVDs coming up from Discotech, which aren't going to be like hard sub with all of the wrong names. Uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Impassionate K, yelling about Mookie Becks and other relating sports things. Um, this podcast is on Twitter at Mugging Your Ears, and you can find all of our podcast episodes over at TaikuPodcast.com. That is T A I I K U. Uh, please. Rate review us. I don't know if anyone else has reviewed us, but uh, it brightens our day. And also suggest mm-hmm. things for us to read next. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.